this morning I'm going to try to preach about radical salvation or a radical conviction that takes place in our life. We have a discussion going on in, the, in our Bible study on Tuesday night, and it's about this radical salvation that Paul the Apostle had on the Damascus Road. Turned him around. I think sometimes that what we lack in the church is that we lack in a radical, radical salvation, a radical move of God. If you was <clears throat> delivered <clears throat> from a, an addiction, alcohol, sexual addiction, whatever kind of addiction, drugs, if you had an addiction, and when you got saved, the Lord set you free, would you stand? I just want to see you. I want you to look around. It's amazing. You can sit down now. Thank you. Because God moves, doesn't he? I've sang this song for you before, but I think I'll just sing it again. One sad Beside the highway begging His eyes were blind The light he could not see He clutched his rags and shivered in the shadows. Then Jesus came and bade the darkness flee. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, the tears are wiped away. He takes the gloom and fills the life with glory for all is changed when Jesus he comes to stay oh men today They find the Savior able. They cannot conquer passion, lust, and sin. Their broken hearts 
have left them sad and lonely. But Jesus came and dwelled himself within. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, the tears are wiped away. He takes the gloom and fills the life with glory. For all is changed when Jesus, he comes to stay. When Jesus comes, there's a difference. I think one of the problems that we have is that we don't have a radical salvation. And I started working on this message two weeks ago. I really got into it more about Monday because men just want to get saved. They want to be saved. And they don't want to live in sin. Men, men do not desire to live in sin. Men want to live in salvation, but they don't know how to do that. And so if you would, would you turn with me to the ninth chapter of the book of Acts, and we're going to be also looking in the 22nd chapter of the book of Acts, and we're going to be looking at the, sal the, 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 uh, the uh, salvation of Paul the Apostle and how God saved him on the Damascus Road. And the discussion that we've been having in our Tuesday night Bible study, does everybody have the same experience with God, a Damascus Road experience? And actually, the answer to that is no. Everyone don't have that kind of experience, but everyone has an experience. And then God brings us to that place to have that experience. And then we have to choose whether we want to serve God or whether we don't want to serve God. God is not going to force anyone to serve him. We're not puppets. We are human beings created by him. We are not eternal beings. Eternal means no beginning and no end. We're everlasting beings that we were created to live forever. Now, we're either going to live forever after we pass from this life into heaven, or we're going to live forever after we pass from this life into hell. We don't talk much about hell, and we don't like thinking about it. Billy Graham says, said, the reason why that people use the word hell so much in profanity, he said, the more that we use a word, he said, the less impact it has on us. 
And so if we use the word over and over and over, then we don't have that impact of hell. But that needs to be an impact in your life, and it needs to be real in your life and my life. It needs to be real because it is real. And I know that we like to teach about the good things of God, and we need to do that. And I know that we need to teach and preach the power of faith in the cross, and we do that here, I believe. And I know that we need to preach the positive attitude that God give us when he freed us from slavery and we stepped into the kingdom and he taught us how to be a citizen of heaven. Amen. Then I know that we can pray heaven right down here on earth because Jesus said that we could as it is in heaven. I know these things. But I also know that there is a hell that we want to shun and a hell that we don't want to go to. And I know that we don't preach that enough, okay? And because I feel that we don't preach that enough, that we don't have the radical salvation that we need to have to see people change. I'm not into my message yet, but if there wasn't a radical salvation that took place in my life, number one, I would probably not be here. I would already be in the grave. Or, number two, I would be in prison somewhere sitting there until they did something with me. Because that's where my life was headed. And I lived with the preacher who was my father. And I lived with the mother who was a fundamentalist. And I lived with these, these people who you might call strict Puritans. Okay? But yet it affected my life in an adverse way instead of a positive way. And it affected my life because I grew up poor and I grew up in poverty and I'm not like the rest of you that says we were poor but we didn't know it. We were poor and we knew it, okay? And so there was a lot of dysfunction in my family growing up. And there we was in a church atmosphere. But I knew that things weren't right in my life, and I knew something was drastically wrong with inside of me. Pay attention to me, everybody. Because even though I heard salvation preached, 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 in times when I went to the altar because I didn't want to go to hell, it wasn't that I wanted a change in my life. It was that I didn't want to go to hell. I'd go to the altar I'd get up from that altar thinking that I was saved. And people would tell me I was saved, but I knew I wasn't saved. And I'm going to tell you something. You know in your heart if you are and if you aren't. You know that. And I, I know that I'd go. I'd find some relief, man. I'll tell you that. It was kind of a fix. Okay, today I got it covered. Get up in the morning and be just as bad as I was with all this rage. The one thing that God spared me from was... I never did alcohol and I never did drugs. I never did do those things. Think what my life would have been like if I'd have done those. Okay? But I never done those, but I had don't my life wasn't pretty at all. <clears throat> and so something had to take place inside of me. Because you know, hey, listen, if you don't like being around me now, think about fifty years ago. Think of that. You was oh man, you know. And, 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 and the worst of the worst didn't like being around me. That, that's what was sad, you know, because I just had dysfunction written all over me and that there was things that was terrible. And I, I put people through terrible things. You know, I, I mean, my brother-in-law, Weldon, I don't know how come he likes me to this day. 
I mean, you know, he was always kind to me. He married my sister. He was called. This on Facebook. Thank you, Weldon. He paid me to do that. Okay. But Weldon was kind to me. He, he just was kind to me, and, and he put up with all kinds of nonsense from me. And, and, but he was kind to me. <clears throat> and, and that made an impression on me when people are kind to you. But I don't know how he could be kind to me because in the day when he was kind to me, I wasn't kind to him. Does that make sense to anybody? I mean, that, that, that was my life. And so something had to take place inside of me. I had enough, if this makes sense to anybody, I had enough learning about Jesus to know that I didn't know him. And I'd, I'd been in church enough times, in the Assembly of God church, I grew up in the Assembly of God church where they were shouting dancers. I love that church. I'll tell you, when my mind goes back to church that was satisfying to me, I still go back to that old Elwood Assembly of God. When them old people just get up and that that church was probably about half the size of this but it was clear full and actually in them days it was one of the larger pentecostal churches that we have and then people shout and sing and they dance and they were true holy rollers and i love being around those old men they treated me good other than that i can't say that anything in my life was really good and so there's something that has to take place in my life and so one day in topeka kansas when, when the furnace in my new trailer had burned up and, and, and the guy's bringing in new furnace and it's at nighttime and I'm not happy about how late they got there. And so when he gets there to fix the furnace in my trailer, me and my wife's trailer, I am not kind to him at all because I felt he should have been there earlier. And he was a preacher and he was the same age as me, but he was far more mature than I ever thought of being, especially when it comes to the things of God. And he just looked up at me and he said, now, you can be as angry with me as you want to be. He said, but that's not going to change right now what's going on. He said, now, I've been working all day to get people's furnaces working and you're the last on my list and I'm going to get it done. And I said, he said, so you just might as well settle down. Now, now, pay attention because, listen, through those words, conviction fell on me. How many of you know, he never mentioned Jesus one time, but conviction fell on me. It was a conviction that I couldn't get away from. See, I believe, and I might be wrong, but when Paul the Apostle stood there and sanctioned the, st the stoning of Stephen, I think conviction fell on that guy. I think that. Now, a lot of people don't believe that, okay? But I think conviction start falling on that guy. But anyway, here, here I am, and, and uh, I, I felt awful. So I, I asked Nancy, I said, can you get him? I, I asked him, I said, have you eaten? He said, no, I haven't eaten. I've been busy. And I said to Nancy, I said, could you fix him something to eat? And she fixed him something to eat. And when he was done, he said, listen, I'm the associate pastor of the Four Square Church here in Topeka. He said, I'm going to invite you to church. He said, we got a guy from St. Joseph called Chuck, named Chuck Sutton, and he's going to be preaching for us. He did not know I was from St. Joseph, and he did not know that I knew Chuck Sutton. How many of you knew Chuck Sutton? He was a house mover. And Chuck Sutton got up there, and I went to church because I'm under conviction. I'm under conviction. I need to get saved. I need to get my heart right. <clears throat> And I'm under conviction. 
And Chuck Sutton got up there, and I did not care. Listen to me, and I know that you're not going to care for this, but I didn't care about for the praise and worship. Didn't, I didn't care if they had praise and worship at all. It didn't make no difference to me. It might have been good that night. I don't know. I didn't pay attention to it. All I knew is that I was sitting there. I was under conviction. That's all I knew. Now, you might be this morning. I was just sitting there under conviction. I can't remember anything else, but I can remember sitting there under conviction when Chuck Sutton got up and he said, I'm not a preacher. I'm a house mover. And he started talking about the Lord And I don't know how long he talked. He said, would anybody here want to give their heart right now to the Lord? I got up and run down the aisle. I literally, you asked my wife, I got up and I run. And I just fell down. And my life changed right there. Jesus Christ became an experience with me that changed me for the rest of my life. I'm not telling you I've been perfect since then. But I'm telling you I've never went one minute without the Lord. Not one second without the Lord. Listen to me. God will turn your life around. And this is laying heavy on my heart. Because we had these talks. And, and one person said uh, that he felt like that Paul never. He said that Paul didn't have no part nor lot in it. He didn't have. He had to serve God. It, it wasn't like us. That, that he had served God. L- listen to me. He didn't have to. He was brought to the point where God said. And here's what, what, what I ask another guy in the congregation. I said, how many times did God visit other people that might have been Paul? And how many times did God visit somebody and, and they turned down the ministry, but he come to you and you picked it up and run with it? How many times? How many, how many Billy Grahams did God really meet before he, Billy Graham said, I'll go? How, how many D.L. Moody's was there before D.L. Moody said, I'm the guy, Lord, send me? How, how, many, how many Billy Sundays were there that the Holy Spirit said, come, and old, old, old Billy Sunday was out? You, you know how Billy Sunday got saved? Billy Sunday was a fallen down drunk. He would have been the greatest baseball player that's ever lived. He was a fallen down drunk. He played, I think, for the Phillies. He he was a professional baseball player, and he was a good one. And he was drunk, and he couldn't get sober. And he and a friend of his is sitting on a curb, and the Salvation Army is blowing their horn and beating their drum and preaching. And old Sunday, now listen to what he said. He said to his buddy, he said, I'm done. He said, I can't live this way no more. And he said, I'm going to serve the Lord for the rest of my life. And in a drunken state, he got up off of that curb. And when he did, he followed that band to the Salvation Army. And God used him like no other man. He never played another baseball game. How many of you know that? And he never missed it. But he won hundreds of thousands of people to the Lord. He had a radical salvation. Conviction fell on that man. Listen, I went, I'm going to read you some scripture here. It's found in... Acts chapter 9, and uh, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start in the middle, and I'm going to start at about the fourth verse, and I, I'm telling you, 
I, I, my glasses are just not good anymore or my eyes need somebody to lay hands on them, okay? But uh, verse 3, as he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him saying to him, now listen to this, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and it will be told you what you must do. How many of you see that? I'm going to run over to the 22nd chapter of the book of Acts. And I'm going to start at about the 6th verse. Listen to this. But it happened that... A, now, he's, he's, he's relating his conversion to the guards and to the people about what God had did in his life when he was saved. But it happened that as I was on my way approaching Damascus about noontime. Noontime is when it is the brightest time of the day. A very bright light. So this light that shines on Paul is greater than the noonday light. It makes the noonday light look like darkness because it is the light of Jesus Christ himself. He says, suddenly, he said, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing that? And I answered, now listen to this, I answered, who are you, Lord? Now, listen to what he said. He said, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. How many of you see that? That is what we call for Paul the Damascus Road experience. Listen, first of all, <clears throat> we need to have a potent conviction. I think one of the difficulties that we have is that we don't have a potent conviction. I wish I could say that was mine, but that's not mine. That's another guy's. A potent conviction. I mean, one, that it, we are so convicted. This is mine. One, we are so convicted that we can't rest until we do something about it. You see, Paul is going to Damascus. And he is angry and he is raging. And he has letters from the high priest to put people that follow the way, which are Christians, into prison and, if necessary, kill them. And he had the power that had been given to him by the Sanhedrin to kill the Jewish people who had converted over to Jesus Christ point in case he didn't care if the gentiles served the lord he didn't care because he felt like the gentile was an infidel anyway you're not going to like what i'm going to say but he had the same radical feeling that the muslims in islam have today about their religion you know the muslims islam sees us as infidels and infidels do not have the right to live. And that's what Paul 
Saul, okay? And he is raging angry. <clears throat> so here's what happens. This is me. And I might be wrong. And if I am, don't tell me because I don't want no truth. He said, what? Because I believe this. You see, when he saw Stephen being martyred for his witness, Paul has to go one way or the other. Right then, he's going to have to give in or he has to get angry. And so when he sees Stephen being martyred, he just gets angry and rages inside of him. Because that's what the devil does. How many of you understand that? Sometimes right before a person's uh, 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 salvation, when they come to the Lord, they're at their angriest point. Sometimes, am I right, Pastor? Right before you come to the Lord, you might be at your lowest sinful point. I'm going to pick on Pastor. I haven't seen him for so long. I'm going to pick on him. Sometimes you can be so into conviction, you can have paranoia like you've never seen before. Somebody says, that's the devil going after me. That's Holy Ghost going after you. And he's going to bring you to a point where you're going to make a decision for him. And when Paul is done with this uh, martyrism of Stephen, he is full of hate, he is full of anger, and he's letting everything go because, listen, there is a potent conviction that has been placed in his life and he doesn't know what to do with it. So God's going to intervene for Paul. And if it wasn't God intervening for Paul, he'd been just like Larry Gray. He's going to die young and he's going to die in his sin. How many of you understand that? But God is going to intervene in that guy. Now, listen, we don't understand some things. Is this okay if I just kind of stand here and preach this? See, we don't understand some things. And here's what we don't understand. God places people in our lives when we're younger to lead us a certain way. And they might not be family members. I can go back to four women, four women, not four men. I can go back to four women. You know what? When I was doing that feminism therapy, which I really don't believe in feminism, you know, I think that is just about as kooky as you can get, you know. But, of course, it was in one of my classes. And so, you know, I'm, I'm studying it. And so they said, can you ever think of any time that a woman might have helped you out? And I'm going, ah, Yes. Four of them, matter of fact, boom, boom, boom. They overlapped and took care of me up until that time. And, and when I think about these four women, here, here's the thing that is, is uh, different about these four women. They liked me for who I was, and I don't understand how they liked me because there wasn't nothing likable about me. But what God was doing, God was setting a plan up. Does that make sense to anybody? And then I'm going to come to a crossroad in Topeka, Kansas in 1970 where I'm either going to take Jesus or I'm going to leave him. And I believe that day, does this make sense to anybody? I believe that day if I had not received Jesus as my Savior, I'd have been lost forever. Does that make sense to anybody? That's my feeling, okay? And so, you know, so, so, so you look at the different people that God's put in your life and look through that and see how sometimes God just took you by the nap of the neck and pulled you out of something. 
Did, you ever, did God ever do that for you? You're just about ready to get into something you know wasn't good for you, and you're making the decision to do it, and God just pulled you out and won't let you do it. Yeah, he does that. Well, see, Gamiel was a great teacher. And Grant Gamiel was the greatest teacher of that time. And it just so happens that he's Paul's teacher. Now, now he's the one that said, listen, why do you want to kill these guys? Now, listen to what he says. He says, now, talking about the disciples, why, why do you want to kill these guys? If they're, uh, if they're, if they're not of God, God's going to take care of it. Now, listen to what he says. But if they are of God, you're not going to fight God. That was, that was his teacher. His teacher says this, he says, if they're not God, leave them alone. God's going to take care of it. Because he's a firm believer in Jehovah, what he has taught. Now, there's, no, no, there's nothing that tells us that man ever got saved. But what that man did was start to plant the cross in Paul's life so that when Paul comes to that crossroad in his life, Paul's going to know which way to go. So this thing is all building up, and he's taught by the best teacher in, in all the world at that time. And, and listen, it's not going to be any little salvation token that's going to change this man. This man, this man going to need a miracle in his life that's going to just shine on him and show him that God is going to use him. Now listen, God give Saul at that time, Paul, his name was Saul, he gives him an emphatic call. He calls him by name. And he doesn't say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? No, the voice that Paul heard is the same voice that Moses heard coming out of the burning bush. It's an emphatic call. And if, 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 if you'll read about Moses and the burning bush, when God called Moses, there's an exclamation mark on that. He didn't just say Moses. He said, Moses! He wanted Moses' attention. He called out to him. Moses! When Jesus, when Jesus calls Lazarus from the tomb, he doesn't say, Lazarus, come forth. Read that. He says, Lazarus! And he didn't yell so Lazarus could hear him. He yelled because there was authority behind his voice as he was saying it. Somebody say amen to that. They said that when Jesus, the Greek, I, I'm, I'm not a Jeff Pickerel, I'm not a Greek scholar or a, or a doc shell and those guys, but I, I'll tell you this, the Greek says this. It says that when Jesus called Lazarus from the grave, he snorted like a war horse. I mean, he put all the authority that he had behind what he was saying, and when he hollered out, Lazarus, hell shook! When he hollered out, Saul, the devil's in trouble, and he knows it. You got to get a hold of something. The devil's got Saul and he's worried even when Saul's killing Christians. And why is he worried? Because he knows if that man ever changes over to Christ, he is in trouble. And you know what the devil knows about you? It, when you was lost in sin, he knew that if you was ever converted over to the Lord, you was going to be trouble for him. So what happened? 
And so he says with an emphatic call, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's what he said. Saul wasn't persecuting Jesus. He killed the church. He's persecuting the church. Hey, listen to this. Holy Spirit, give this to me. Just, I think about Tuesday. He said, you're persecuting me. Yeah, Jesus is in heaven, actually. And he even has to speak down for, to Paul from heaven. And he says, why are, you, why are you persecuting me? And Paul says, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus the Nazarene. And the reason why he said Jesus the Nazarene, because he wants Paul to know exactly who he is, where he come from, and what it's all about. Jesus the Nazarene. Now, now we got to look at that. And so here, now listen, Pastor, what, what happened, what, what was going on in my head. I, I'm over in, a, in the book of Ephesians, and I'm in the first chapter, and I'm from 20, 20, uh, 19, uh, uh, 119, all the way down through 22. And I'm looking at that. And the Bible teaches us, it says, listen to what it says. It says that Jesus Christ is the head. And the, church, and the church is his body. Isn't that right? So Jesus is the head and, Christ, and the church is his body. And God has put everything under his feet. Or under the feet of the church. Or under your feet. Because Christ is the head and we, the church, are the body. And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, do you understand you are beating my body? You are giving me body blows? And I never ever saw that before. That was the first time I ever saw that. And I remember when uh, uh, Muhammad Ali was fighting, uh, who, it wasn't George Foreman. Who, it it might have been George Foreman, I can't remember. But, but uh, George Foreman, listen to what George Foreman, who, who's the other guy that fought Muhammad Ali? Huh? No, no, Frazier. Here's what Frazier says. Frazier says this. He says, he said, he, they said, Man, you got to be careful. I got to knock you out. Listen to what he said. He said, I'm going to beat his body up. He said, I'm going to beat his body till he can't breathe no more. And, and Muhammad Ali is the greatest boxer of that time and turned out to be the greatest boxer. But Muhammad Ali thought he just had it made and, and, and nobody could beat him. But George Foreman, I mean, Frazier, he saw a weakness in that old guy because the next time, I mean, old Muhammad Ali knocked him out really quick because he didn't want his body beat up and and uh and 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 muhammad ali said i'm gonna sting him like a bee i'm gonna sting him like a bee and you know what fraser said he said i'm gonna beat his body till his head dies that's exactly what he said he said i'm gonna beat his body till his head dies and so jesus says to, to saul he says why are you persecuting me listen he is giving jesus body blows because he's touching the body of the lord and so the lord is saying saul you're persecuting me because you're touching my people and my people are my body now that is something else. I want you to hear this thing. He said, you have given me body blows. Now that's something when Jesus says that. He looks at Paul and he does this. He said, Paul, I'm going to just phrase this out of the new, uh, out of the Amplified. 
He says, Paul, I want you to hear something. He said, I'm Jesus the Nazarene. And he, he says, this thing's going to turn out badly for you if you keep kicking against the goads. He says this. He said, you're going you're to have vain and perilous times in your life if you keep resisting. If you keep resisting, you're going to have a hard time. Because here's what Jesus said to him. This is not going to turn out good for you. We don't hear that. We just see this miraculous thing of Paul. And we just see this miraculous thing. But there was a lot of miracles that took place. And here's why one person says Paul didn't have no part nor lot in his salvation. Listen, because he had to write 80% of the New Testament, which he did. Understand this one thing. He had a right to turn down that ministry. He had a right to turn it down, the same as you have a right to turn it down, the same as when God is speaking to you right now about certain things in your life and your ministry today. You either accept it or you turn it down. Listen to me. Sometimes you can turn things down and it will go badly for you. How many ever ever had that happen? That it will go badly for you. Listen to what he says. He says, listen. I'm going to raise you up, Saul, and you're going to go to work. Now, now here's what's interesting to me in verse 8 of Acts 22. Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? I'm, I'm sorry, I need to get ahead of myself. Now, Paul's eyes are, 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 I want to make a point here. Paul is blind in the natural. This brightness blinded his eyes. But Paul is more blind in the spiritual Help me out here like some of you that want to ignore the truth when the truth is right there. Stay with me. Some of you who have problems with authority. One of Paul's pluses was I don't think he had problem for authority if it was going his way. Right? I don't have problem with authority as long as it's going my way. Some of us have problems with authority. Well, we preachers, we, we don't like to hear anybody but ourselves. We put up with all the rest of you. I, I, I'm not going to pick on somebody, but, but I will because I'm, I'm known to do that. Well, I'll leave it alone. Somebody say, wow, it was one of you. And we were all saying, okay, ministry is what God's called you to. And he's not called you to maybe a pulpit ministry, but you're called to ministry. Now pay attention. And if you can't come under a delegated authority, you'll never be given authority by the Lord. You never will. And the thing that Paul understood that's going to be the plus for him is he understands authority, especially delegated authority. Our Lord Jesus Christ, while he's walking on this earth as a man filled with the Holy Spirit, understood authority and understood he was under authority to the Father. 
It's not till he's ascending that he says, All authority, heaven and earth, has been given to me. Right? He was a man under authority. And so, therefore, he understood how to get this cross. And so, we have, I'm coming to an end here. And so, we have Saul who has this miraculous, miraculous conversion. But yours was the same way. And so was mine. And if you haven't had a potent conviction, maybe you need one. Because something has to be established to turn this nation around. And it has to be established to turn this church around. He was praying about the chairs. He was praying about the chairs. Until someone gets a potent conviction that these chairs be filled, it'll stay the same way. Until someone gets a potent conviction that God can and exercise faith, then it'll stay the same way. You have to understand what God's called you to. My challenge to you and myself, have we had, let's stand, have we had a Damascus Road experience? Are we persecuting and giving the church of God body blows? He says this in verse 20. And I like this. As soon as he gets saved, and Ananias has went to him and healed him, or healed him through the Holy Spirit. Harold, if you'd come up here, I'd appreciate it. The disciples take him in, and he stays with the disciples for a few days. Verse 20 of, of, of uh, Acts chapter 9. And immediately... Paul began to preach Jesus in the synagogue saying, He is the Son of God. Same man who was destroying Christians and just in the ring with Christ, giving him body blows. Giving him body blows, hoping that his head will die. Same man in that ring. Does anybody here ever remember a comic by the name of Joe Palooka, who was a boxer? Remember that? I, I, I love that comic strip, Joe Palooka. <clears throat> he was the heavyweight champion of the world. Yet every time he'd get in the, the, the ring, he just didn't get in the ring and knock somebody out. You know, he... He, they'd had this fight, and he'd last, remember in the comic strips, it'd last for weeks during the strife. He'd get hit in the head, and it looked like he's going to lose. And you're, you can't wait till another comic strip comes out because, you know, you you, you got to see if Joe Palooka's going to win. Well, of course he's going to win. He's, he's the hero. Okay? But but Joe Palooka is in that ring, and, and boy, the guy's in there, and then all of a sudden, Joe Palooka, whoa, he'll get this energy about him. Remember that? Boom! Take him out one punch. Just take them right out one punch. It's all over. That's what we'd been all waiting for. <clears throat> How many of you, when you was a kid, you watched that phony wrestling? Like you really didn't know who was the winner? And it was somebody said, come up and say, you know that's all framed? No, it's not. No, it's not. Don't tell me that. 
But remember how the good guy, you always had good guys and bad guys? I think they still do, don't they? Good guys and bad guys. I haven't watched it for years. But, but, but Sonny Myers was my favorite. And somebody, he'd get in that ring and they'd always beat him up. And then right at the end, he'd get in there and knock the way out of my hero. Thor Hagen, remember him? Thor Hagen, remember Thor? Thor had that knee lock. Yeah, step over toe hold. And, oh, wasn't that, yeah, boy, when he did the step over, come on, he's going to win, didn't he? Mm. And then I think, I think who, was the, who, who did the full Nelson, man, when they got the full Nelson? Huh? Viking had the thumb, I think. The guy with the full Nelson. Yeah, I'm putting it on you so you'll know. No, no. But, but right at the end, and then all of a sudden, let me tell you something. Jesus triumphed in that victory reign. And Paul has given his body body blows. And those Christians are standing strong and they're going to prison and they're dying. And that's why the world today is receiving Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Because Christians in other countries in China and Russia and different places are standing there taking the body blows for the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you understand that? But they're winning that battle. And he stood there, and all of a sudden then, God comes on the scene. And every single thing that Gamaliel had taught Paul led towards Jesus. And Paul, a Pharisee of Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews, one who had the papers to put people who loved Jesus in jail, walks into the synagogue and he says he's the son of God and he's real <laughs> we was go ahead start playing we was at a pastor's conference a couple years ago and pastor brings a young man up to me and Doc had just preached about the kingdom of God in us. And he said, you don't have to say a word when you go somewhere because as soon as you step into a place, and I use this now all the time, as soon as you step into the, a place, because of who you are in Christ, the kingdom of God steps right in that room. You don't have to say nothing. The kingdom of God just stepped in there. And so this young man is one of our new preachers, and he's just struggling, and Pastor could tell he was struggling. You went back and talked to him. And so you said, come up and talk to Pastor. So this young man comes up to him. He said, Pastor, he said, I need to tell you something. Now listen to what he says. He didn't say, I faced the truth. He said, the truth faced me, didn't he? It's exactly what he said. He said, the truth faced me. And I said, what is it? He said, I lied to you. And he goes and he starts, because he had lied in the interview to take papers with, with us. Oh, man, we forgive that. And God touched that boy, didn't he? And, and, and as Pastor Bill and I are, are praying for this young man, he just broke. I don't know what he thought we was going to do. Probably he thought we'd probably act like maybe his natural daddy act. I don't know, but we just loved on him, didn't we? And I, I looked over, and, and there was Mark Linder, and he was struggling with the guy. 
in prayer. You know, Mark was down on his knees, wasn't he? And he was just sobbing. And they had rolled this guy up in a wheelchair, and he was totally crippled from a stroke. Older guy. And he was just in that chair. He couldn't walk. We didn't know he couldn't talk, but he couldn't talk. He couldn't do anything. And Mark is sobbing with this guy. Mark is down there. And listen to me, people. I I love Mark Linder. Mark Linder just believes God can do it. And God does it. You talk about faith. And and I'm looking, and Mark, Mark is struggling. And this old boy's got his crutches, don't he? And he's in a wheelchair. And I decide I need to go, because this kid's okay that I'm praying with, and he's in good hands with Pastor Bill. And so I decide I'm going to go over there and help Mark pray. And, and before I could get over there to help Mark pray, boo! The Holy Spirit touched that man. And that man stood up, didn't he? He threw those canes or crutches, whatever they were. And he started walking. And old Linder's just crying. And people are crying. And this guy's walk turns into a run. And he's shouting, it's real, it's real. And old Mark is just crying. And I said, what's going on, Mark? He said, his voice paralyzed. He hadn't talked for years, isn't that right? I'm not exa- Am I exaggerating, Pastor? Help me. I'm not exaggerating. And that old man started running Tony, and he's saying, It's real. It's real. He got to the back, and he changed it. And he said, He's real. Didn't he? And he said, He's real. He's real. And he got up to the front of that church, and we found out that he was a Pentecostal pastor who had had a, had a stroke that left him paralyzed like that. And that old boy, he stood up and he started preaching to young people. Isn't that right? But my thing was, he went from it's real to he's real, and he was yelling it. And when everything kind of got under control, I looked back there, and that old boy's going like this, and he reminded me of, of, of Don Atkins, and he's going like this, and he's just dancing all over the place, isn't he? And he's saying, he's real, he's real. Paul the Apostle said, he is the Son of God. He said he's real. He's real, people. Listen to me, God is real. Jesus Christ will set you free from anything, any addiction that has a hold of you. And Paul got up from that and he started to preach the gospel in the synagogue. And what did he start preaching? Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he took it to the grave. And when they went to take his head, he would not change. He said, Jesus is the Son of God. Somebody shout amen. Hallelujah. He's real, people. He is the Son of God. I'm going to open up this altar. And if you need to rededicate your life, come up here. If you're not saved, come up here. If you have addictions, run up here. But take care of it right now. Because this might be your crossroad. Just like it was Paul's. Go ahead. Oh, he is.
You can come. start to worship the Lord and step right now into the throne room of God on behalf of this young man this young man right now is at a crossroad where Paul was at and do we not know that maybe God has called him to win the hundreds of thousands do we not know that God has called him to do different things just like he's called you. Boy, the devil's in trouble, Tony. One of the children of God is being set free today. And the devil's in trouble. <laughs> Remember how God set you free? And you start, yeah, he's real, he's real, he's real. Pray with us. Listen. I'm going to speak in this young man's behalf. He came to, pre to the breakfast yesterday. And he, he's got a problem that he needs a miracle. And here's the miracle. I'm going to speak it because I believe that we need to speak these things out. This young man's going cold turkey. Because there's things that's been taken out of his life he wants back. He wants his daughter. She's a lady now. And she wants a relationship with him. But he says, Pastor, I, I want a relationship that's a good relationship. And I say, you know what? I'm not a counselor no more. The only one to do that for you is Jesus Christ. So he's ready. But then I look at him, and here's what I know from just experience as an alcoholism, drug abuse counselor. That if God doesn't intervene, he's going through some terrible times in just a few hours. But how many of you know God can take care of that? He did for you, didn't he? Huh? One of the, 
one of the things that you dreaded when you got off that was, oh, what am I going through physically, wasn't it? But God intervened, didn't he? Never had to hear that. He never had none. And I'm going to tell you something. As far as I know, I don't know a worse alcoholic or drug abuser than Bill Grace. When no enemy had him. Now he's preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel. Father God. People help me here. Because I'm telling you right now, God's moving in this young man's life. He's born again and he's saved. He just needs a miracle. Bring him a miracle. Father God, separate him. Set him apart as a sanctified vessel unto honor. And glorify, Father God, thy Son. We glorify the Son for the Father. And anyone who glorifies the Son, the Father takes joy in. In Jesus' name, be healed. Be set free. And let the scales fall off your eyes. Because Paul was blind naturally, and he was blind spiritually. And Ananias laid hands on him, and the scales fell off his eyes naturally and spiritually. And he got up, went to the synagogue, and Nathan, he said, he is the Son of God. In Jesus' name, be healed, set free. Pastor, would you t- take him over there and just read him some scripture? And just start with Romans chapter 10. Anybody else you need prayer? Any, anybody you just say, I just need, come right on up here. <clears throat> you got a hard job. But see, God don't work in hard and easy. Nope. Only we do. <laughs> People are coming. There's room. Come up here if you want to come. You need to go home. Go home. Just walk out easy. But boy, we need to pray for these people. In human terminology, you got a hard job. But with God, there's no easy and there's no hard. Would you care if I had Terry Singleton come up? Terry, I need for you, I want you to come up and put your hands right on Sue's shoulders. Anywhere, I'm going to pray for your body that it can stay healed. Then I'm going to pray God open up doors. Open up doors. Is that why you're here? For the doors to be open. Father God, The word said, your son said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. We know that, don't we? And this prophetess has little honor in her family. But as I recall the word, Lord, you said people are healed, just not as many. So we just touch 
sue right now with your touch. And we lay our hand on her as if you are laying your hand on her. And we claim her body healed. And we claim a renewing in her spirit to be the evangelist that will wake up this family. Touch her now. Make her strong where she's weak. And let her weaknesses be seen as strength. And everywhere Terry touches her body, God will touch you. Terry, wherever God tells you to put your hand, do it right now in the name of Jesus. Receive strength. Miss Karen, would you come up here? This woman's mighty in the spirit. She really is. She sobs when she prays. And it's not a sob of repentance nor pain, but joy. In the name of Jesus, be made whole. Spirit of God, come down upon this sister and fill her up. And Miss Karen, everywhere you touch her body, God's going to touch her. So where do you begin is up to you and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. flood her touch her now in the name of Jesus Jesus my wow okay get ready for a harvest of souls and I don't know this don't make sense to me but I think it's going to make sense to you and Bob And broken relationships are being made whole right now in Jesus' name. Bob, give me a nod up and down if that's, is that right? Broken relationships right now are being made in Jesus' name. You will be the evangelist. You won't have to find one. Holy Spirit says you are. You're always looking for an evangelist. He says quit looking, you are. Wow. Praise God. Miss Marie, would you come up here? Okay. They've already, you asked that? Just put your hands anywhere. You asked that, it was done. As soon as you ask it. In the name of Jesus. As the scales are removed from her eyes spiritually, let her see portals and doors into the kingdom of heaven. And touch her right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. And just be here, God, with her. And open up. Father, God, open up her brain right now. Let a newness come into her thinking. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Of my soul. Bread of heaven. Bread of heaven. Feed me till I want.